Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In our series about the history of Reformation, today the theme, the Reformation in Switzerland. And we welcome all our visitors in the internet. Back in former times, we go back 500 years, Switzerland, in the middle of Europe, a country full of huge mountains. So it's situated here, country of Europe, with colors which show the following orange and yellow uh, areas of Protestant religion and the blue color Roman Catholic religion here Greek Orthodox here in England Anglican and we are in this area here and we talk about the time when this changed from blue to yellow. Here we have Zürich, and Ulrich Zwingli was born here in Wildhaus, near the Rhine. We can see this better on this map of Switzerland. Maybe you have never seen this before. The brown colors show the mountains. And the more it is green, the more it is a plain. These here are lakes, huge lakes. Here Geneva, Bern, Basel, Zürich. These four are the biggest towns in Switzerland. First of January, 1484. Six weeks before Martin Luther was born in Germany. And then, the first day of January, the first day of the new year, 1484, here in Wildhaus, near the Austrian border, here the Rhine, the river Rhine is the border, so not far from here, high up in the Alps, 1,200 meters high, this wild house, in English, wild house. Then it looks wild there. High peaks everywhere. The birthplace of Ulrich Zwingli, the reformator of Switzerland, this house made of wood is still there. And when you walk out through the entrance, into the fresh air, you look at seven high peaks in front of you. Seven. So it was a wonderful scenery when Ulrich was a boy and lived there in his childhood. All these mountains around him. 
So he, he got an atmosphere of the, of the power of God, the glory of God. When the young Ulrich Zwingli was six years old, he was sent to school in this little village, high up in the Alps. And <laughs> on the very, very first school day, the teacher came back with the young boy to the parents and said, I do not want this boy any longer to go to our school. The parents were shocked. <gasps> what happened? The first day in school and the boy sent back to us. What has he done? Well, said the teacher, I have talked to him, then I discovered this boy is able to read. He is able to write. He is able to count up to dip, 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 so many numbers. Everything I teach here in this school for the first four years, this boy already knows. So what should he do in our school for four years? <laughs> he, he can make the examinations, he can do the exams of the fourth form. Now, at the first day <laughs> in school, send him somewhere else to a higher school, not, not to our little village school. He, he doesn't learn here anymore. I, I must teach the other ones who don't know this, but, but he already knows everything I want to teach to him. So it makes no sense sending this boy to our school. The parents were surprised, of course. The young Ulrich, he had older brothers and sisters, and he had learned, when, when they had learned, <laughs> the letters and all the stuff you learn in elementary school. So he was sent to his uncle, who was a priest, who lived here in Wiesen. That's not so far away. I've gone this by foot here down. You can cross it by car. You must take such a huge, long way around because here are mountains in between. But on foot, you can just walk down there. Cross the peaks and then you are down there. And here in Wesen, he got his next education, but soon was sent further on to better schools. He was even sent to Vienna, capital of Austria, because there was a university of music, and Ulrich Zwingli was a, a wonderful musician. So he studied in Vienna music. And then he came back to Bern, Basel, and in Basel he got his education in theology, he became a priest. And he had an excellent teacher there who told him very, very wise information about the Bible. His first town where he had to be a pastor was here, so not so far away from Wildhaus, Glarus. And he was famous for speaking. 
he, he could address people in such a way that they, they listened. At this time, 1515, so he was now 31 years old, the following happened. The Swiss people in this time, they had not the same economic situation as they have today. Because today Switzerland is the richest country of Europe. And Swiss people are the richest ones in Europe. But 500 years back they were very, very poor because of the Alps, most part of Switzerland is full of mountains, high mountains. Here you see white areas, so there is snow, ice all the year around. High, high peaks, the highest peaks of Europe, they are here in Switzerland and down here to the border of France and Italy, Mont Blanc, the white mountain. So, because the German, uh, the Swiss peasants were so poor, they <laughs> wanted to get more money, and there was only one possibility to get money, to, to get a lot of money, when you became a soldier for a foreign army. And Swiss peasants they were good soldiers because they lived in the Alps. They had learned going up and down the mountains. So they were in, in, in good physical condition. They were, they were ready to fight. They had hard work and they were strong. They, they were soldiers other kings wanted to have. They were willing to pay for Swiss soldiers. So the, the peasants, the young peasants, they've locked in hundreds and thousands over to the French king, over to the Pope, Italian states, and fought for them. And they got money if they survived in the battle. If not, then they had lost their lives. A group of people from Clarus where Twingli was pastor, made their way down to Italy because there should be a big battle between the King of France and the Pope. And both ordered Swiss peasants as soldiers. And Twingli accompanied his group as a pastor for military service so that he can pray with the wounded and the dying and so on. And when he was uh, an, an eyewitness of all the battle that was going on and, and what happened afterwards, Zwingli was shocked because he saw the following. On the French side, Swiss soldiers. On the Pope's side, Swiss soldiers soldiers. Swiss people fought against each other in foreign armies. 
They shed their blood for, for, for foreigners, for foreign kings, the Pope, King of France. And afterwards, when Swingley went home, he, he came home with the rest of these people from Clerus. Many had died, others were wounded, some had lost an arm or a leg. They came back. Oh, it was, it was horrible. And then Ulrich Zwingli started to preach in Glarus and told the people, what are you doing? That's, that's simply crazy. Imagine. You, Swiss people, you fight against each other for others, just for money. And then you are dead or wounded. Look, look at the people who have come back. How they look like. When they have gone from here, they were strong, powerful. Now, look at them. One is blind, one had lost his leg, his arm. Don't continue like this. Don't go on like this. If you want to fight, fight for Jesus, our Lord. He is our king. But do not fight Swiss people against Swiss people for foreign kings. That's crazy. Stop that nonsense. What happened? These sermons, they had power. The Swiss people thought about it and discovered Zwingli is right. We, we do not want to fight against each other anymore. We want to fight for Jesus. That makes sense. Fighting with the spirit and with weapons. Killing other people. And from that time onwards, the Swiss were not willing to go as soldiers anywhere. And they were not willing to, to make war with any country around them. And what was the blessing of that? Being a peaceful country. Today, Switzerland is the richest country, the richest state in Europe. Interesting, isn't it? Well, here he worked as a pastor, his first town. Here is a monastery in Einsiedeln. It means a very lonely village. This German word means that. And there was a monastery, huge one, very big. There was an image of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and once there was a fire in this monastery and this image already got fire and it, it didn't burn to the ground but it became black because it was made of wood and it burned already and then it was a black image and it was called the Black Madonna. Madonna for woman mother of Mary. And this black Madonna, because it was now a black figure, this black image, it, it got a certain image around it. Because people flocked from 
far away to go there and to pray to this image, to this black Madonna. And Zwingli was called to be a pastor there so that he, because he preached so, so fine, in such a fine way, so that the income of the monastery would grow higher and higher. And really, when Zwingli came there, more and more people came because it was told, oh, go there, listen to this pastor. Oh, his sermons, just great. You must, you must hear this. And more and more and more people came to the monastery in Einsiedeln. And, and the head of, of the monastery, he was happy. Ah, oh, so many people around. And at the end of the year, they had a look at the income. And instead of more income, for this year there was a lower income. And the committee with the head of this monastery, they were just surprised. They said, well, well what's wrong here? More and more people have come, so many as have never have come before. There should be more income then, isn't it? Why is it lower then? And one of them said, huh, I know it. Yeah, tell us. Have you ever heard a sermon of, of Zwingli? So this high, uh, this head of the monastery, these heads, they, they hadn't gone there. They, they, they were the prominent ones. They did not listen to his sermon. They just lived in their luxurious life. And he said, I have gone there. I've heard him preaching. Do you know what he said? An image like this black Madonna cannot help you. Do not pay for anything which cannot help you. Pray to the Lord Jesus Christ who is alive, who has risen from the dead. Mary is dead. But Jesus has risen from the dead. Go to him. Address your prayer up to Jesus. The Lord of the Lords. He can really help you. No, not this black Madonna. This image of Mary. It's a piece of wood. Dead. Nearly burned. So the heads of the monastery discovered, hmm, Zwingli is of no use for us. He, he, he doesn't help us <laughs> for, an, for a higher income of the monastery. And in the meantime, people of Zürich had heard of Zwingli preaching in Einsiedeln, how all the people flocked there to, to, to hear him. So they called him. On the 1st of January, 1519. So he was now nearly, he was now 35 years old. Zwingli started preaching at the Großmünster, the biggest church in Zürich. He started with Matthew chapter 1, made a series. Matthew chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, up to 28. He talked about these verses. He preached about every single verse in each chapter. So, the Gospel of Matthew was preached verse by verse by Zwingli. And at the end, 
the listeners were different persons. They, they had discovered Jesus, his, his character, his love. And they, they became fond of him, wanted to follow him, to, to, to act like Jesus, to, to be obedient to him, to his teachings. Zürich changed. It blossomed. After a few years, People came in thousands. The, the, the huge Großmünster in Zürich, it was a really big church, I've been there. It, it, it wasn't big enough. So Twingley had to repeat his sermon a second time. So for example, from 9 to 10, first sermon, then they had to leave. And then the next group came, filled the church again, next sermon. Was interesting. A church full, full of people. And after years, years after years, listening to Zwingli's sermons, Zwingli had an idea. He assembled the politicians of Zurich, 200 people. So they were the leaders of the town. And then he addressed them, asking them, now you have heard for some years the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now I ask you a question. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to follow God? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to follow Rome? No, no, we do not want to follow Rome. We want to follow God. We want to follow Jesus. Okay, Zwingli said. Now listen, I tell you something. He opened his Bible, Exodus 20. There are the Ten Commandments. And one of them reads the following. You shall not make any image, whether it's in heaven or here on earth. Do not make it. Do not bow in front of it. Do not worship it. And this he read to them. What does that mean? Do not make any image. Do not worship it. Look into our churches. What can you see? One image beside the other. Our churches are full of images. God tells us not to make it. Not to bow down, not to worship in front of it. What are we doing? Oh, well, uh, yes, we know that's not good. That's all? That's all you know? Whom do you want to follow? God or Rome? God, of course. Okay. What will we do with the images? <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, they have been here for so long and the people, they like them. And what will we do with the images? We want to follow God, oh, don't we? <laughs> yes, but you know, tradition, history, so many years they have been here. And so you want to follow Rome. 
they, 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 they were, in a way, confused. And Zwingli told them, go back home, read this text in your Bible as well, assemble together, make a decision, and tell me what you have decided. 200 political leaders of Zurich. They went home, they read it in the Bible, they prayed about it, they assembled, and they made a decision. They came together with Zwingli again, and he asked, now what is your decision? We want to follow God. Okay. What about the images? Well, uh, what would you suggest, Ulrich Zwingli? It doesn't matter what I suggest. What does God suggest? What does God order us to do? Do not make them. Do not bow for them in front of them. Now what shall we do? Look at this painting. You mean tearing down the images? Destroying them? You are right. But imagine. Imagine destroying the images. Do, do you know what this, this means? Well, what will the people say? What will God say if we do not destroy them? Yeah, well... What will God say? Will he say you are obedient to my voice? No, he will not. He will say you are disobedient to my voice. <sighs> But it's, it's, it's a hard time. Imagine. Imagine doing this in your village if there's an image of Mary or Peter or whoever and you suggest tearing it down. This will be in the news in the evening on TV as the, as the first command. What has happened in a certain town? They've, they've torn down an image. Imagine. You will be arrested at once. And here, the leaders, the 200 leaders of Zurich, they came to the decision, okay, we want to follow God's plan. They formed a committee made of carpenters and pastors and they went from church to church, from marketplace to marketplace. And what did they do then? What can we see here? What did they do? Tearing down the images to the ground. What do people think about it? They help together. This one here. Oh, he's maybe shouting, Hallelujah! Because God's will is demonstrated. And here we see on the left of the painting Ulrich Zwingli pray. People have done what God told them to do. This is Reformation. 
And if we look at this, we are astonished, aren't we? They were brave. The leaders of the town, the first ones, they decided, not the last ones, making a revolution, destroying everything, and being arrested afterwards by the police. The leaders, they did it. Therefore, Zwingli addressed the leaders, because they have the power. When they order it, they order it. They have the legal power to do it. This was clever. Very clever by Zwingli. But they could only, he and they could only act in this way because they listened to the word of God. Do you listen to the word of God? If you want to be blessed, then act according to the word of God. Zürich. Switzerland blossomed after this. In those times, in a mass of the Roman Catholic Church, when the Last Supper was served in, in the ceremony, the people only got the bread, the symbol of the bread. They got no, no wine, no grape juice. That was only for the priests. And Zwingli told them what's written in the Bible, in the New Testament. All of you, said Jesus, should drink of it. All of you. What does that mean, all of you? All means all, doesn't it? So all of you will get of the wine, the grape juice. They were surprised. So in these Protestant churches in Switzerland, they got the Last Supper in two symbols, bread and wine. And not only bread. Oh, this was something. The people flocked in thousands together. In thousands. Bread and Wine, grape juice. Ha, interesting. Zwingli went on preaching, preaching, preaching. And Zurich became a new town. It was so blessed that people from Basel and Bern, the next big towns to Zurich, so there's three mains here, three main towns in this triangle, Basel, Bern, Zürich. When they heard about the blessings Zürich had received because of following the Bible, following God's words, they decided to become Protestant towns as well. So not aware of three, Zürich, Basel. But people from here, in the inner area of Switzerland, Luzern, Schweiz, and further on down here, Uri Unterwalden, they, they were in, in the midst of their valleys. They were still in the Roman Catholic 
tradition. And priests wanted to, to change the Protestant faith in Zurich. So they, they preached the fort. Go. Go to the weapons. Take your weapons. And we want to make an attack from the inner parts of Switzerland, the priests brought together all the people from here and they made, a mark, uh, they made their way up here and advanced Zurich. They wanted to attack them. The people of Zurich were surprised, astonished, in a kind of shock. They, they were not prepared for that, being attacked. It was the priests who had formed the minds of the people in the inner parts of Switzerland. Now they came nearer and nearer and nearer. Here is the village of Kappel, so south of Zurich. And in October 1531, they appeared here on the theme. So what to do? It took time to bring together an army of soldiers. You need time, and they were already advancing. So some of Zurich, who, who were ready at that time, said, well, we go ahead. We are not many, but we few try to stop this huge army, this huge Roman Catholic army approaching Syria, so that the others here get time to, for, the, for the weapons to, to, to come together and to follow us the next day. We try to stop, to win time. But they were not many. It was the hardcore of Syrian Protestants and Zwingli accompanied them as military past. And there happened a tragedy. When Zwingli was praying with a wounded Protestant soldier, a Roman Catholic peasant came from behind with a big stone and threw it down from behind on Zwingli. And he died. This was a shock for the Reformation in Switzerland. Nobody could preach like Zwingli. Nobody was like him. He was the one, the only one, they thought. Now he was dead. Killed by a stone. Big stone. What happened then? Because of this tragedy, the people in Zurich found out we must stand together in harmony. We must press on. And from this time onwards, they listened even more to the Bible than before. They were even more interested 
in doing God's will than before. So the Reformation in Switzerland spread, and here on this map we can see this is Switzerland, and what's yellow, followers of Zwingli, followers of God, of the Bible. And it spread over to Geneva. But that's another story. Let's give thanks to God. Our Heavenly Father, it's you who started the Reformation in Switzerland through Ulrich Zwingli. You have given him the power of the Spirit that he could do what he, have done, what he has done for his country, for his countrymen and women. Thank you, O oh Lord, that your word, which Zwingli translated into the German-Swiss language, that this translation became known all over the area and people could read what is your will, O oh Lord. And they were willing to follow. And therefore the Swiss state blossomed. It blossomed to this very day. Thank you, O oh Lord, that your word produces blessings, blessings and blessings. Thank you for that. Amen.